Good morning and welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton and happy Thanksgiving. Um, I'm going to be your service leader this morning and my name is Karen Mills. As Unitarian Universalists, we're bound together not by a common set of beliefs, but by our promise to support one another in our individual searches for truth, meaning, and guided by our principles and drawing from many sources. We do hope that you feel welcome here. Whether you're joining us in person or online, it kind of feels like being in a TV production right now. I've got crews giving me signals up here. It's, it's kind of awesome. Um, however you understand family, whomever you love, whatever you are welcome here. We invite you to join us in a journey of free thought, spiritual questing, and justice making for as long as you feel comfortable doing so. We extend a special welcome to all, and please feel welcome, relax into the service, and prepare for a lovely morning. We begin our gathering today by acknowledging that we are located on Treaty 6 territory. We respect the histories, languages, and cultures of First Nation, Métis, and Inuit, and all First Nations and First Peoples of Canada, whose presence continues to enrich our vibrant community. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Let us let go just for a time of the everyday world. We'll silence our phones and devices. We'll silence all those voices in our minds and we'll create a space in this hour to simply be together. In this spirit of life and love we gather. ourselves for the service, I invite you to uh, enjoy a prelude. that worked. Am I, is it on? Trying to do it kind of blindfolded without stopping. Is it on? Can people hear me? Margaret, is it on? Okay. Uh, okay. Well, it's a new system. I don't get to look at my little thing to find out if it's on or off anymore. So, just going by feel. So, if it doesn't work, let me, let me know. Anyway, Good morning. 
<laughs> Welcome. My name is Reverend Rosemary Morrison, and it's my, it's my pleasure and honor to be your minister here in Edmonton at the Edmonton Unitarian Church. And I would like to add my welcome to Karen's. I would like to say that your presence here is needed. It's required. We can't have church without its people, either being here in the sanctuary or online. We need both. You know that old saying, here's the church and here's the steeple. Oops, oh, this way. And open the door and see all the people. We can't have church without the people. Whether you are new here or have been coming for a long time, if you are gay or straight, queer or not, happy, sad, if you've got it all together or could really use some help, you are needed and you are wanted here. I'd like to share the words of Paul Becknell as we begin this service together. There are some heights to which we have not risen and never will. There are some depths to which we have not fallen and never will, we pray. Somewhere between there are places where we can reach up and we can reach out for the strength we need for our journey together. This is such a place. This is where we pause for refreshment, for renewal of our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. Thus, we worship together in thanksgiving. have the words of Katie Gelfand. We light our chalice as a symbol of gratitude as we celebrate the abundance of our lives together. In this sanctuary we harvest bushels of strength for one another and offer our crop with the hands of and generosity. In the authentic and gentle manner of our connections we cultivate a simple sweetness to brighten our spirits. May we be grateful for the many ways we nourish and uplift each other, for it is the sharing of this hallowed time together that sustains us. I invite you all now to join in hymn number 349. 349, we gather together. Please stand as you are willing and able. for all ages is called My Two Blankets. Moving is hard. Friends make it easier by Irina Cobalt and Freya Blackwood. Auntie used to call me cartwheels. Then came the war. Auntie doesn't call me cartwheels anymore. We came to this country to be safe. 
everything was strange. The people were strange. The food was strange. The animals and the plants were strange. Even the wind felt strange. Nobody spoke like we did. When I went out, it was like standing under a waterfall of strange sounds. The waterfall was cold. It made me feel alone. I felt like I wasn't me anymore. When I was home, I wrapped myself in a blanket of my own words and my own sounds. I called it my old blanket. My old blanket was warm. It was soft. It covered me all over. It made me feel safe. Sometimes I didn't want to go out. I wanted to stay under my blanket, my old blanket, forever. One day in the park, a girl smiled at me and waved. I wanted to sm smile back, but I was really scared. I kept walking with Auntie. When I looked back, the girl waved again. Next time we went to the park, I looked for the girl. She wasn't there. Okay, the people online are not going to be able to see this if I don't get that page to stop flopping around. Okay. We went back three times before I saw the girl again. She waved and smiled, and I felt warm inside. The girl came up to us and said something. Her words were strange. It was like being stuck under the cold waterfall. But the girl kept smiling, and she took me to the swings. I got on and she pushed me higher and higher and I wanted to laugh. I wanted to tell her how glad I was that we were friends. But I didn't know how. When I went home, I hid under my old blanket. I wondered if I would always feel sad. I wondered if I would ever feel like me again. The next time I saw the girl, she brought words for me. She made me say them over and over. Every time I met the girl, she brought more words. Some of the words were hard, and some of them were easy. Sometimes I sounded funny, and we laughed. Sometimes I felt silly, and I wanted to cry. At night, when I lay in bed, under the old blanket, I whispered the new words again and again. Soon they didn't sound so cold and sharp anymore. They started to sound warm and soft. I was weaving a new blanket. At first, my new blanket was thin and small, but I kept adding words to it. The blanket grew and grew. I forgot about the, the cold and lonely waterfall. My new blanket grew just as warm and comfortable as my old blanket. And now, no matter which blanket I use, I will always be me. Can anyone relate to this story of going to a strange place and feeling so out of, out of place? And I think we've all kind of experienced that with COVID, of everything being strange and weird, and we can't do the same things that we've always done. So I hope you enjoyed the story of how this young girl came to a new country and began to make friends and began to feel more at home. And I think that one of the things I like about this story is that 
it might feel this way for a newcomer that comes into church for the first time. And we need to help that person weave a new blanket, a blanket of warmth, whether it's with words or welcome, of, of camaraderie, of inviting them to, for a walk or whatever. So just keep that in mind, this story of newness when we have newcomers come into our midst, either online or in person, that people need help to feel like they can engage and feel at home. Thank you. One of the purposes of this church community is to encourage all who gather here to grow more generous in spirit and in action. And in addition to supporting this community, we also make a monthly commitment to the wider community. And today, the sharing of our abundance will be shared with Child Haven, an amazing organization started and still maintained by Fred and Bonnie Cappuccino. Um, modeled through their own life of having 19 children, most of them adopted, and beginning uh, orphanages and child care centers in a multitude of places throughout India and surrounding area. And um, they do just astounding work. And I know many of you have participated in the Child Haven banquets, which are always such a fun celebration. And so we would invite uh, you to remember them in your giving. And for the people online, you'll have the information on your slide. For the people here, you can go home and look up Child Haven um, and participate. And they take any kinds of donations and are very grateful for them. And we have our collection plates at the exits. So as you leave, you can contribute that way as well. And I would invite you now to join me in singing from this, or from you I receive. invite you to join me in a responsive reading. It's number 512 in your hardcover hymnal, or for those of you on screen, it will appear right before you. I'll read the regular text and invite you to join with the italicized text. Again, that's 512. For the grandeur of creation, worlds known and unknown, Galaxies beyond galaxies, filling us with awe and challenging our imaginations. For this fragile planet Earth, its times and tides, its sunsets and seasons. For the joy of human life, its wonders and surprises, its hopes and achievements. For our human community, our common past and future hope, our oneness transcending all separation, our capacity to work for peace and justice in the midst of hostility and oppression, for high hopes and noble causes, for faith without fanaticism, for understanding of views not shared, For all who have labored and suffered for a fairer world, who have lived so that others might live in dignity and freedom. For human liberty and sacred rights, for opportunities to change and grow, to affirm and choose. For the meditation this morning, I'm going to invite you into a time of 
centering and grounding. And then I'm going to read a poem by David White called Start Close In. I'm going to read it twice with a short break in the middle. And then after the second time, we're going to, I'm going to invite you into some shared silence for a few seconds or however long you choose. Um, because during that time, as soon as we finish the poem and after 10 or 15 seconds, feel free to begin standing up and coming and lighting a candle of joy or concern or both. Okay? All right, so I invite you to just take a moment and take a couple of deep breaths and feel yourself being supported by the chair, by the bed, by the couch, by the floor, whatever it is that you are on and sink into it. Let your body move deeply into whatever it is that is supporting you. And then I invite you to turn your attention to your breath Noticing how it fills your lungs, and as it does so, your chest rises, and as you let go, it goes back down. I invite you to think about bringing life and all good things in as you breathe in, and letting go of all that you do no longer need as you breathe out. Start close in. Start close in. Don't take the second step or the third. Start with the first thing. Close in. The step you don't want to take. Start with the ground you know. The pale ground beneath your feet. Your own way to begin the conversation. Start with your own question. Give up on other people's questions. Don't let them smother something simple. To hear another's voice, follow your own voice. Wait until that voice becomes an intimate, private ear that can really listen to another. Start right now. Take a small step you can that you can call your own. Don't follow someone else's heroics. Be humble and focus. Start close in. Don't make that other mistake for your own. Start close in. Don't take the second step or the third. Start with the first thing. Close in. The step you don't want to take. Start close in. Don't take the second step or the third. Start with the first thing close in, the step you don't want to take. Start with the ground you know, the pale ground beneath your feet, your own way to begin the conversation. Start with your own question. Give up on other people's questions. Don't let them smother something simple. To hear another's voice, follow your own voice. Wait until that voice becomes an intimate, private ear that can really listen to another. Start right now. Take a small step you can call your own. Don't follow someone else's heroics. Be humble and focus. Start close in. Don't mistake that other for your own. Start close in. Don't take the second step or the third. Start with the first thing. Close in.
the step you don't want to take. Anytime you are ready and wish to light a candle, please come forward and do so.
Am I on? Karen, may I ask you to go and light a candle, a last candle, for all those joys and concerns that have been acknowledged, that maybe are on the chat, online, and those that we still hold in our hearts, perhaps even unknowingly yet hidden from us. Thank you. Well, in case you didn't know it, today is International Clergy Appreciation Day. <laughs> I will accept applause. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but from what I'm noticing online, it's only clergy that actually knows about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Reverend uh, Dr. Susan Frederick Gray, the president of the UUA, she put out a lovely little message to all the ministers and... Uh, Brought tears to my eyes, but I was like, I was thinking, does anybody other than ministers know about this? So in honor of this auspicious occasion, I would like to read to you a description of the perfect minister. The perfect minister is 26 years old and draws upon 30 years of ministerial experience. <laughs> gives sermons that are thoroughly researched, intellectually challenging, practical, and leaves you so touched you are in tears. Condemns injustice but never hurts anyone's feelings. Happily works for little pay, because after all it is a calling. And this minister, perfect minister, works with little pay wears professional clothes, maintains an extensive library, drives a very nice car, and tithes 10% to the church, and another 10% to Habitat for Humanity. This perfect minister is single with a very nice family. <laughs> this minister is a humanist theist with Buddhist and pagan influences most of the week, reverting to Christian and Hindu practices on the weekend. This perfect minister will meet with committees, congregants, and community leaders on any day of the week, morning, noon, and evening, has great boundaries, and nurtures their own self-care. This perfect minister smiles all the time with a straight face, using a sense of humor to be seriously dedicated to church work. Makes 15 calls a day on church members, spends all spare time recruiting new members, and is never out of the office. A little bit of a hard, uh, hard job description to find someone to fill that one. Anyways. But not only is it Clergy Appreciation Day, it's also Thanksgiving. And what a glorious weekend it was yesterday. It rained today, but yesterday was a glorious day. And I'm hoping it clears up today. And so I hope you've all had a chance for a little walk to enjoy the fall colors and maybe looking forward to some good food. Has anyone here lived in the United States for any length of time? A few of you. Thanksgiving there, as you probably know, is at the end of November, and I was surprised what a big deal it is. It's all tied up with Christmas and the holidays, and as I was planning the church here down in Indiana, I was like, I was like we're going to do this, this, and this, and they were like, but it's the holidays, and I'm like, it's just one day. Can we not do anything between, like, the middle of November and the middle of January? Nope, it's the holidays. Okay. But we in Canada don't make quite such a big deal of it. Although I do love to have a nice meal with friends and family and remember collectively to be thankful. I remember when I was a kid, we colored pictures of pilgrims and turkeys. And most often my mom would cook a turkey. 
Thanksgiving is also tied up with colonization and the displacement of the people that have always been here. We heard about that last week from Susan Rattan, and I thank you, and we'll be exploring our relationship to the land and to the First Nations people more this year, but not this morning. But we need to keep this in our hearts and minds at all times. This Thanksgiving morning, I would like for us to do some more personal work, the work that might help us grow as individuals, at least to allow us to think about who we are and where we're headed. This also influences who we are as a congregation and where the congregation is headed. I came across an article from Champlain College in Vermont. It's about Kimberly Quinn's class on wellness. I'd like to read a little bit from the article. As students arrived for Kimberly Quinn's 11 a.m. class in early September, she handed each a multicolored button that read, Be the boss of your brain. During this semester, she aims to help them mold their young minds, literally. A Champlain, professor, a Champlain College professor and expert in cognitive and positive psychology Quinn teaches students how to reprogram their brains to become happier, healthier, more mindful, and more resilient in the face of adversities that range from anxiety and depression to chronic disease. She then asks students to read from their gratitude journals. She requires them to spend several minutes each day jotting down at least three things for which they're grateful. An exercise populated, popularized by University of Pennsylvania Professor Martin Seligman, considered the father of positive psychology. It could be, she says, dad's banana bread, my golden retriever, you could be thankful for your eyesight, your nice cup of tea, whatever. Quinn told the class, her hope is that by semester's end, the students will be in the habit of noting such things. Quinn has done so for years. Students listed what one might expect those mostly first-year college students to be thankful for, their parents, their health, a favorite roommate, energy drinks, <laughs> sleep, Beyond the camaraderie such disclosures can inspire, Quinn, oops, Quinn emphasized that the exercise is based in neuroscience. Writing out the words, I'm grateful for, she says, directs blood flow to the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which can be measured on an MRI scan stimulating the neural pathways associated with gratitude makes them stronger and more likely to fire, which confirms many physical and psychological benefits. The primary one, Quinn said, is that the brain, which acts as a pattern recognition machine, starts searching the environment for even more sources of gratitude. The, this phenomenon, known as the Tetris effect, was first discovered by studying chronic players of the video game Tetris, who began seeing colored geometric shapes in the real world. In as little as 21 days, students can effectively train their minds to find more reasons to appreciate things in their lives that they might otherwise overlook. Remember, it's not touchy-feely, Quinn emphasized. It's neurology. End of quote. Sorry, that's a pretty long quote, but I couldn't find any other words to cut out. I'm sure you've heard the saying, it's not joy that brings us gratitude. It's gratitude that brings us joy. I've been skeptical of that and of other spiritual practices at times in my life. How many folks here have a spiritual or profession, a per, a personal growth practice in their life? Anybody here have a, 
a spiritual practice that they do fairly regularly when they remember. I do one when I remember, which isn't every day. You can call it either spiritual or personal growth, whatever is more comfortable for you. They're the same thing, just so you know. There's no difference. It's just in whatever language you wish to use. The word practice is the key word, not whether or not it uses religious language. So let's begin the practice, shall we? Let's practice. Take out your phones or a piece of paper, or you might have, or just keep track in your head. Take a moment and think about yesterday. What is something you can name about yesterday you are grateful for? Now, name one or two other things you are generally grateful for. So if you want, you can write them down, take and put a note on your, your smartphone. I use my smartphone all the time to make notes to myself and reminders and task lists. Feel free to do that. And while you're at it, you can check in. Do you guys do that, checking in online? Anyway, sorry, that was a digression. So take note of things that you are generally grateful for or something that happened yesterday that you are grateful for. Now, this one is a little harder. Begin thinking about yourself, who you are as a person, your essence. Now name thing, three things that are just about you, that you are grateful for. What are you grateful for that's about you, your essence, who you are? Now, if you're willing and able, and if you're online on the chat, you can, uh, you can put those, some of those things in the chat if you wish. And if anyone wants to share one or two things, you can raise your hand. I will. Look, call on you and you can tell me and I will repeat it back so everyone can hear. I'm looking for a couple of people to be brave enough, vulnerable enough to tell me one thing that they're grateful for. Anyone? Ruth. Ruth says her health. Anyone else? Maria? Beginning to understand her own brain. Amen to that. Me too. I don't know your name. What's your name? My name is Laura. Hi, Laura. Nice to meet you. Alara is thankful for her family and the support that they give her and everything they need. One more. Last one. Sylvia. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Aw, it really is Clergy Appreciation Day. I'm so happy. Thank you. And, and I'm so, so grateful to you all. Thank you for sharing. And something I'm really grateful for is my little family, my daughter and my son and their partners and my grandchild. And I spent a little bit of time with them last week and weekend. And it was, it's always so good to be together. And I know I'm really, really lucky to have such a close-knit, to be so close with my children. We have such a close-knit and special little family. But it wasn't always so easy. We had to have some really tough conversations together to figure out who and what we wanted to be. I invited them one Thanksgiving weekend many years ago to share with me their frustrations and disappointments about their upbringing with me. And there was a lot that was hard to hear. However, I couldn't and wouldn't for a moment trade that difficult conversation for the closeness and love we share with one another now. We've had other difficult conversations and they have made me cry. But that's okay, we can't get there without that. While I was traveling back, from Edmont back to Edmonton last week, I watched the Brene Brown talk that is on Netflix right now, and I invite you to watch, everyone to watch that. I want everybody to watch it if you have Netflix. 
So how many of you know who Brene Brown is, have read some of her books, watched some of her TED Talks? Okay, not everybody. You will. Her life changed, she said, when she stumbled upon the man in the arena quote by Teddy Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, and he wrote this in 1910. And I've changed the wording a little bit, sorry, Teddy Roosevelt, to make it more gender neutral. And the quote is, it is not the critic who counts, not the one who points out how the strong stumble or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the one that is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends themselves in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if they fail, at least fails while daring greatly. And that's how she got the name of one of her books, Daring Greatly. Brene Brown's body of work has been in researching shame, vulnerability, and wholeheartedness. She talks about how important it is to have boundaries, rules of engagement, if you will. And without them, she says, vulnerability is not possible. The concept of personal boundaries, what, what she says is what is and is not okay with me, or for you, is similar, to, I think, to the concept of covenant. By this I mean what is and is not okay for us to do and be together. Brown believes that a person without boundaries cannot be vulnerable, kind of counterintuitive, I guess, but her decades of research prove her right. Think for a moment about our lives together here at the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. What are our rules of engagement? What are our boundaries? How do we dare greatly and get into the arena with blood, sweat, and tears covered in dust? How do we do great things together? And this congregation has done great things and is capable of doing more great things and is doing great things. And it needs some, we need some rules of engagement so that safety is established. Brown's research and others that I have read tells us that we can't be open and vulnerable with one another if we don't have boundaries. And I would like to say that without a covenant, we are going to have a hard time feeling safe with one another. A covenant among, us, among can a commun intentional community like us, like UCE, is like having boundaries. But what do I mean by this? In a group or a congregation, there is always going to be conflict. There is always, it's healthy, it's inevitable. We're, people are not always going to get along. What happens when there's a conflict? What is the process in place to deal with it? Who do you talk to first? Then what? And I know there's systems in place to help. I'm not saying that you haven't done some of this work. However, I am saying that the research shows that for us to become wholehearted, open, loving, and vulnerable with one another, we need to have something in place where we can feel safe. That Thing is often called a covenant of right relations and there are many examples and models we, we can model after. But the basics are these. Say Gordon and I have a little fight. Yeah, you. I got words for you. <laughs> if I have a problem with Gordon, first thing I do is I go and I talk to Gordon and I say, I'm 
struggling. I have a tough conversation I need to have with you. This thing's happening for me. I don't know how it is for you. Can we have a conversation about it? Well, that might be pretty scary for some to actually do that, especially if there's a power differential or there's whatever. If it, it can be really hard. But so if you don't want to go, if I didn't want to go to Gordon, I might go to Karen and say, because she might be the person that I'm supposed to go to, and I might say, I'm really having a hard time with Gordon. Can you come with me to talk to Gordon? So that would be step two. We could do that. And step three would be coming to me, the minister, and saying, and I don't really have a problem with Gordon, of course, but I mean, if, if you had a problem, you could come to me, and then we could draft something together, and you'd have to sign it, and then it could go to Gordon. And if a person didn't want to do any of these things, to deal directly with the person that they're in conflict with, then you can't talk about it to anyone, ever. That's a covenant of right relations. So that's, and I just kind of said that, and now I'm lost. And it's, it's, of course, it's a lot more complex than that, but it's basically the crux of it. I, and I have to tell you that I slip up on this. I talk about things. I talk about people. We, we, we all do. We can't help it. And I've made this mistake recently. And I need to hear this message from me, too. I'm not perfect. And it's hard having these real and difficult conversations. And it's worth it, as it is only in the arena when we are covered with the muck of it all, that we can learn to be truly ourselves and truly vulnerable. And it's only when we have a set of a plan, something to go to, that we can actually feel safe having these conversations and safe being open and vulnerable and loving towards one another. On this beautiful Thanksgiving weekend, may you find a wellspring of gratitude in your life and for yourself, for your life, and for our collective privilege and abundance. May we have the courage, individually and collectively, to have the tough conversations that will make our lives richer. May we be boundaried enough, brave enough, and safe enough to be true to ourselves, to our families and friends, and to one another in this congregation. For as Professor Quinn of Chaplin University says, our valuable life minutes, our valuable life minutes are really all we have. What else is there? So may it be and blessed be. I would like to invite you now to take a breath. And then pick up your teal hymn books and open to 1008 and sing together when our heart is in a holy place.
The chalice extinguishing words are by Reverend Kevin Jago. When the candle dims and the wax is almost spent, hope continues, uncertain and true. Like candlelight, ready to spark again, all is never lost. Thank you. And, my, and the closing words are by L.R. Nost, and they are this. Do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world. All things break and all things can mend, but not with time, as they say, with intention. So go. Love intentionally. Love unconditionally. And love extravagantly. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is in each one of you. Go in peace. And I would now like to thank everyone who participated in and contributed to and lent their expertise up in the sound booth, for example, to this service. And I wonder if there are any announcements. I haven't been given any. Okay, very good. So I invite you now to sing Carry the Flame, Rise as You're Willing and Able. Look around the room, try to catch an eye, but don't touch anyone. Go in peace.